Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Arc Your Refugees podcast. Ted here, John here, not live on a Monday. We apologize for that. Sometimes sometimes life just gets in the way, right, John? It does. Sometimes Old school. things just happen. We're going back to our roots. <laughs> this is going back to our roots. We will be live Wednesday as a makeup post game. You guys seem to like that stuff, so we're going to keep rolling with it uh, when the team travel, when DC United travels to the New England Revolution. Um, but before we get into DC, before we talk about what happened last night, uh, we, we do want to talk spirit spirit will actually probably take up the majority of the show, um, because of what's happened, uh, with everything with the, the club and the team and just everything involved with that. Uh, let, let's, I guess we'll start with the, should we start with the news, John, or should we, should we talk about the let's game? Let's talk about the game. We, we'll talk about the game yeah. and then we'll get, we'll get deep into the, all the things that went on prior to that. That's last week. Yes, uh, let's talk about the game. So, uh, Washington Spirit traveled to the Hu- traveled to Houston to take on the Houston Dash, uh, which they have been, I believe, perfect against. I don't think they've lost a game to them, and that continued, uh, though not the way not the way we would expect. Uh, the big news, of course, on coming out on the bench was that Trinity Rodman uh, did not start the game. Uh, started on the bench, probably the, the Spirit's most exciting player. Uh, Ashley Sanchez was out there. Um, a, a game that started well. It started very, very well uh, for the for the Washington Spirit. Uh, opened up with a excellent, excellent, excellent goal from goal Paige Nielsen. Goal of the week. Just a rocket into the corner. Her first goal of her NWSL career, professional career. I think we, we, we I don't know if she had any goals. She I know she went to the A-League for a bit. So She said she, uh, uh, when she used to play forward, I think when she was Australia, she scored in the postgame. She talked about her goals from the old days, but... Uh, uh, Aubrey Bledsoe was with her during the post game, and it, uh, it's very clear that Paige talks about her goal scoring prowess frequently, all the time. So when she talked about that, she started to laugh. So I think that this was a, I, I think that they they were enjoying themselves having uh, having had that goal finally scored in a real game. Yep, yep, and uh, I think it's uh it was it was a very nicely well taken goal off the corner kick, very pretty early in the game if I remember correctly. We're having to dig our memory back, guys. We Eight did minutes. a uh, by the way we yeah. Yeah, we did a whole uh, whole which you can go watch a entire restream of the game with our commentary, uh, which is which is a lot of fun, a lot of fun to watch. Um, and then uh, I will say the spirit definitely offensively. I don't know if they really ever got much going in this game. Um, there were a couple opportunities, uh, but other than that, not not a not a whole lot that really comes to mind. Uh, defensively, I think they held, they held strong. Um, I think the dash generated some chances, uh, but it sort of seemed like it it seemed like this game definitely swayed. It was the spirit, you know, right off the, right off the get go, uh, obviously with the Paige Nielsen goal. Uh, then we saw the dash kind of take over a little bit and start to press and push the game. Yeah, what's not, then you're right that that, so that was the the first half I think was largely, uh, I don't want to say spirit dominant, but Houston was not really very challenging the goal. There was a, there was a close opportunity minutes after uh, the goal where uh, Tara Mikione hit the crossbar mm-hmm. and Ashley Sanchez. Right, right, very true. So the, it, certainly I think there were moments where the dash were, you know, uh, somewhat somewhat resurgent, but the the dash had, or the spirit had 58.5% of possession in the first half and 85% passing accuracy. So a pretty good game. The dash, the dash came out as our probably took control of the second half. Unfortunately for the dash, Tori Huster, uh, scores uh, another another <laughs> another goal that was probably I don't want to say goal of the week, but certainly a very well struck opportunity for for Tor Huser. 
It, it is nice when, when the defense just kind of pulls off and sort of lets you waltz into the box. I think, I think the, uh, I think the dash were expecting a pass. I, I forget who was, who was out. Um, I forget who was out, who was out on the, uh, on the, uh, on sort of the left side uh, on that goal. I remember there was a player sort of drifting out left and I, and we were all, we, we were on the stream. We're like, make the pass, make mm-hmm. the pass, make the pass. And she's like, Nope, I'm going to take it myself. And shows what we know. <laughs> um, she, she buries it in the corner. So two nothing. You're feeling pretty good. Uh, Tara Mickey with the assist on that goal. Uh, you're feeling pretty good. You're like, all right, we're going to cruise and, and we're going to cruise. We're going to cruise. We're, we're just going to cruise to a, uh, to, to a two nothing victory. And then, and then, um, and then and, there was a corner kick. The, uh, the, the kryptonite for all Washington spirit games. <laughs> yeah. Bron- just... Bronick Alatsko co- scores off of a corner, uh, sort of, uh, if I'm remembering correctly, sort of a ball dribbling around the, the box a little bit and, and gets stuck in. So two to one at that point, in the 61st minute, uh, the spirit were very much on their back foot after this. So two, two nothing lead. I think, I think I made a stupid, a crack about the, the cliche about dangerous goals, uh, dangerous games down to zero, but, uh, it appeared to be that way because then, uh, Michaela Abam, uh, a, a Washington dash or Houston dash Academy player who had just signed that weekend, uh, gets subbed on and then scores, uh, scores the the tying goal in the 83rd minute, and that was somewhat of a gut punch. Even though you're on the road, right? I think that there's it's always tough when you're in a position to be upset with a draw on the road, but you are sometimes when you're <laughs> when you have a two goal lead uh, in the 53rd minute. You think, all right, well. Let's just see this out. Let's just be strong here, and that that did not happen, unfortunately. Yeah, I think if you if you ask fans again, it's one of those things. You ask fans at the beginning of the game, "Hey, the game finishes two two. You're like, okay, that's you know maybe slightly disappointing, but it's on the road. You know, after the week the spirit had, um, which we'll get into in a minute, I think you would have taken that. But then you know you see the 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 two the uh, two nothing result. Uh, leading for most of the game and then to just kind of lose it and to lose it in the fashion they did. I think the, the, the set piece goal was maybe not as worse. I think the second goal was definitely bad. It was a complete defensive, yeah. uh, complete defensive breakdown. Um, Paige Nielsen, I, I did, Paige Nielsen and Sam stop all both had mistakes uh, that led to the, the, the breakaway occurring. Yeah. So we're obviously uh, very, very much waiting for Kelly O'Hara and Emily Sonnet to return to the fold because they, they appeared to be I think we were all kind of thinking, well, I think I think the defense will be fine. Right. Um, I think after this game and sort of what's transpired for the spirit, they kind of need those players. Uh, they're fine in the attack. They can generate chances going forward. But to see out games, I think they need they need their uh, they need the U.S. Uh, women's national team players and and Rotter as well from for, from Sweden. Since so. mid July, they've conceded three against Gotham. They got the shutout against Racing Louisville, but then three goals again against Chicago, and then conceded one against Portland last week, and then two two again to mm-hmm. Houston. So you're absolutely right. That was what we assumed to be the strong point of this team, even within depth. But there have been some injuries, right? I think Tegan McGrady, Tegan McGrady being out. Mm-hmm. Um, they are now very much excited to get those players back. I think that that will be a big help for them coming into this stretch. They've got, I mean, there's just no easy points in in, uh, in NWSL aside from playing Kansas City, uh, who just signed, uh, or just traded for Adriana French. So I don't want to say they're getting a little, they're maybe a little bit harder now to score upon, but uh, overall still probably the only walk for most teams in NWSL. And they've got uh, some challenging games coming up here in the next uh, couple days. Yeah, chance chance to get a win. Just get a win at Segra Field. I think that's the game you're circling yep. on your calendar. They've been struggling to do that. But they do have the next game against uh, Orlando. the Orlando Pride. 
Sunday at 4 p.m., so that should be a good match. They're still sitting in the playoffs uh, despite the draw, despite the result. Very, very tight in that playoff race. Um, And again, they still sit. uh, A win puts them... puts them above Gotham at this point. Uh, again, there's a lot of some weird games at play, but you always like to have the game, the points in hand as opposed to, to trying to For chase. Sure. You know that uh, this season is going to end. It's going to be the last couple games of the season determining. Yeah. So they've got they, just, just to, to, to check that out. The last three games of the season are racing Louisville at home. That's a game you like. Mm-hmm. OL rain away on their stupid baseball field. Uh, they've won there before this season and then home to Houston dash for maybe some revenge. So, it's it sets up for them pretty decently well. They've got a tough run here now. The, the gauntlet mm-hmm. is the pride, the courage, and then the thorns in a row. Uh, but you know, get get four points out of there, and you're probably feeling all right. Yeah, yeah. I think at this point, this is a team that is again that is building, and I think they're a little bit ahead of schedule. Um, and you know, now it's on to the it's on to the to the spirit to uh, to to right the ship now. Um, after the news that's happened, I think we'll we'll transition to that. Uh, obviously the news that, that came out, uh, so it started out very awkwardly and we talked a little bit about this on our post game show, but I think we want to expand upon it a little bit. Assume you didn't watch the post game show. Assume (laughs) you were doing something super important on a Friday night and couldn't join us. We'll just start from that premise. I think someone sitting through three hours, that was all in one (laughs) continuous stream. So I think we're pretty, we're pretty set in that. But, um, but, uh, basically the, the news first broke that, uh, Richie Burke, uh, was stepping down, uh, due to health issues. Um, so obviously, you know, the word's been going out. Oh, you know, oh, we're so sorry, coach. Uh, and then, you know, then, you know, again, journalists doing what journalists is doing. And I got I, I think the spirit thought maybe they could get away with this a little bit. I had I, I'm still I'm still very confused. Did the story break or was the story about to break? Maybe I, I just feel like I feel like there, there there's more to this because it all seemed very weird. It's like he's stepping down health issues. Oh, OK, so sorry, coach. Then it's like no, no, no. There's no health issues. It's all, it's all related to this. I, I'm well. I'm referring to the Washington Post article that really started this whole thing. I, I am wondering if that was about to break. If that, if that, if because that seemed very put together very, very quickly. Um, so I'm, I'm very curious as to the timing of the whole thing. I think you, uh, I, sort of, I think you draw something important there because if you read the thread, I'm trying to remember the author's name, and I want to make sure that I get it before we, yeah, uh, before we move on, but. Uh, it, it was very much an issue of this is a story I've been working on for weeks and talking to players and getting and getting sort of corroboration on a lot of the things that uh, I've discussed. Uh, it's not under soccer. Uh, oh, here we go. Molly Hensley Clancy is your name. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you, I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast, you've read it by now. If you, if you haven't, you should definitely look at it. Uh, but I, I think you're right, Ted. I think that they were I think yeah. they were asked for comment earlier in that week. Uh, and they tried to figure out, like, all right, well, if we say it's this, we can we can maybe bury this story and not worry about it. But I can't imagine, you know, I can't imagine they actually really thought that would be the case. I, I said it on the stream. I've said it on Twitter. You know, NWSL's a new beat for me. So being sort of like covering it every week in and week out, it's new for me. But I would say that the NWSL media is tenacious in pursuit of a story, and they don't let things go. So if the thought was we can just you know, pull a fast one on, on na- the national writers that cover NWSL, they'll just leave it alone. It'll be fine. Then that's insane because other, yeah. other leagues, other leagues stuff doesn't get, doesn't get away because there's a million people covering it, right? Like baseball stuff doesn't get slept under the rug because there's, you know, 5,000 paid people to cover it. NWSL, it's a lot fewer. And some of the people are doing it either not being paid well or, or paid, you know, very, or not at all. They're going to get this. They're and they're going to write on it and they're going to report on it until they get the, the truth out. And that's what happened very quickly. And 
And I think they made a huge mis- – so I think we talk about the media markets and uh, and and what's sort of been going on um, – what's been sort of going on in, in some of the other uh, – some of the other stories in the NWSL with the the story of the GM that was sort of let go and everything like that. Uh, th- there hasn't been there, there's been some reporting on that, but there hasn't been a whole there hasn't been a whole lot. And I think I think the spirit maybe thought, well, you know, I think we can I think we can kind of pull the same thing. Maybe not have a lot of a lot of people, you know, attention attention drawn to it. Uh, I think they made the mistake of the fact that the Washington Post is actually one of the better. I mean, they now have they now have two. Uh, two beat writers now that are covering soccer. They have Molly, uh, Molly Hensy Clancy, and they have Stephen Golf. Um, and Molly, and let's be, let's get credit. I mean, I think you know Stephen Golf for a long time has been the only person really covering soccer, and he's one of the most well-known sports journalists. Now they have two, and I think I think uh, Molly has really put herself uh, put forward a good article, and really she deserves a lot of credit. She was asking these questions that maybe people weren't asking or, or figuring and trying to get the answers to. I, I, I'd be very curious to know like the genesis of this story yeah. uh, and, and sort of when it started, when it started to pick up because she's been working on this for a long time. And, and hearing that lets me know that this, this was the spirit trying to sweep this under the rug. And that's, that's sad. I think, I think Molly is, I think her beat is actually investigative sports journalism. So I think it might be a, mm-hmm. beyond just soccer. It might be all sports, but I, I think I, I, I swear, I swear that I saw something, a tweet from Kai a couple of weeks ago, sort of, sort of vague booking, sort of being foreboding about sort of you know give, give strength to get through something, and, and I think I think this has been, I, I imagine that she was the centerpiece of this because she's been sort of outspoken, mm-hmm. not about her time with the spirit. That's not what that's, and, and you know, in the article, and we'll we'll sort of talk to the article a little bit here. Like it, it basically said there were a number of players who. Uh, either retired from soccer, left the team because they couldn't deal with the abuse, couldn't, did not feel comfortable. And, you know, she's one of the more notable players, even though she played, you know, I think not at all in the Challenge Cup and then and then left. And I think she was on trial at a team in Europe and then now has sort of like kind of retired. I don't know if you wouldn't call it retired, but it's not playing anymore. But she... Yeah, she, she's, she's, she's stated quite, quite, quite literally she's not going to play soccer anymore. Right. She is, uh, I, I know... People who follow her, I think she's trying to go to law school. I think that's what she said. Uh, so that's what she's trying to do at this point. So she is soccer is behind her at this point. So anyway, so we'll get so the article. You know, again, this is all uh, this is all sort of it's the post. So I would say that alleged. It's, it's alleged, but I would say it's it's sourced reporting at this point. Uh, basically, an environment was created where it's not just a matter of a coach that's that's loud and, and angry and yelling, as you know, many many coaches do throughout you know, men's sports, women's sports all over the place. But it was described as verbal and emotional abuse targeted. Four players have left the spirit in the last two years specifically because of the treatment. Uh, and, and that, there. I mean, there's other stuff in here about the N-word being used. There's stuff here about uh, other just sort of like... Other assistant coaches. The, yeah, assistant coach Tom Torres was, was apparently let go. After hitting on players at the at the after party for the 2020 Challenge Cup, uh, so it's the cha- all right. So put that to the side. The it is not uncommon for people to behave badly, like and and, and be fired. Like it's it's not good. It happens. It's endemic. It's horrible. But it's not surprising because it happens. The problem here, and the problem that is really I think sticking in the craw of a lot of fans, both Spirit and NWSL wide is that this is not a conventional coach owner situation where the owner has, there's some soccer person in between the owner who's picked coach who 
has a, a long career somewhere else and that's why they got chosen and it's obvious. Mm-hmm. The challenge here is that the reason that Richie Burke was brought here, the line, the, the straight line is that he coached the daughter of, of the owner. Uh, and that when I mean, he had played professionally uh, for the Washington Dips, for another Washington in, uh, indoor team, played for a team in England, but had only coached at the youth level ever. And even at that point, there were there were there was extensive reporting by Black and Red, and I believe by other outlets as well, about the the extent of the the mistreatment that players faced under him. The targeting, the like, the the verbal abuse. I think homophobic con- comments was one of the other things that were reported. Personal attacks. Uh, so the problem here is that you can get rid of Richie Burke, and they have. Well, right now I believe they're doing an investigation into the the league is investigating, and and they are investigating HR violations. Is what the, is how it's is being termed. Likely he's gone. I think that's a good assumption at this point. But the owner, who theoretically would have known the previous experience on the youth team because his daughter was on the team. Uh, it was brought to the, all of these allegations uh, about his previous tenure were brought to the spirit. The spirit said that they conducted an, an investigation, the NWSL, they said they conducted an investigation. They were satisfied that that would not be repeated. And the, the tragedy is a, it almost exactly repeated. It's just with adult top, you know, top professionals, this, this happened. And it, and it, to the extent that these adult women were driven from the sport due to their treatment. And that's not, that's not nothing. But again, to get back to it, the challenge here is there's a culture of unaccountability when the person who signs the checks, the person who sets the tone, the person who is seen very much as, as being, you know, the face of the organization in in public, Steve Baldwin, uh, put these people in this position. Uh, with with the knowing of that, so it, it 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 becomes challenging to think what the path forward here is with the same characters in place other than Richie Burke. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you know for sure that the next person that gets brought in is the right fit? Obviously, more attention and scrutiny will be on Baldwin and the Spirit to do that, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything. It's it's some people would like the owner to go. Some people would like the owner to sell. Now, uh, there are other. There are other owners. Obviously, we talk all about uh, the five thousand ownership group uh, <laughs> that got brought in before this before the season started with very high profile high profile uh, high profile individuals. Uh, and also, I mean, you have you have someone like Michelle Kang who has joined as a actual part of the ownership group. I think more so an owner than the Chelsea Clinton uh, at all. That group. I think she has. I think she has capital involved. She, she and Bill Lynch and Steve Baldwin are stakeholders. She was with the commissioner at the game on Friday uh, and the other owner of the Houston Dash's name, I cannot recall. I assume this came up. I assume that this sort of thing said, how can we how can we move past this? What do we need to do? So there is a path forward, I think. If there was accountability, it would look like Steve Baldwin potentially selling his shares or anybody that was sort of involved in this conversation, particularly if the investigation yields that not only was the treatment abated, or not abated, or, or abetted uh, by by the ownership group from the previous incarnation for the youth team, but that they knew that the players who left left for that reason, and four of them did, and they didn't say, "All right, we need to step in here. This is getting this is getting over the top here. We need to figure out what's actually going on." 
if they knew and they said this is just not this is just the way it goes what are you gonna do then they do have to clean house there's nothing else, i don't think there's anything else you could do what do you think i think i think you bring up so i i do want to you know bring up this is not the first time that the washington spirit ownership uh has made super questionable decisions we if you remember i think it was bill lynch was uh, was just just the sole owner at the time. Uh, there was, you know, Megan Rapino doing the demonstrations, uh, you know, for Black Lives Matter by kneeling during the anthem. Uh, and the response uh, basically amongst Bill Lynch, the owner, was to just play the anthem before the players got out there to prevent Megan Rapino from doing her demonstration. Uh, that set off a lot of a lot of fa- a lot of players upset. Ali Krieger, uh, Crystal Dunn, uh, a lot of them were upset and, and eventually left the team in that sort of that led to a massive reset on the whole on the whole team and and you know then i remember the new ownership group comes in we say okay maybe things will be a little bit different maybe it'll be something new and then you know you saw who they hired they saw who they hired and i remember being extremely negative on the hire i'm like you're hiring you know this this white english male who has zero professional coaching experience has some youth coaching experience like what are you doing like that's the big thing right i think i think would would, go ahead sorry would, would no, I'm sorry, you don't interrupt. But like, would if DC United did that? Would DC United ever consider something like that? No. Would any other top tier professional team even consider something like that? Unless it's like a person inside the organization, you know, who's who's done a good job, you know, growing, you know, bringing up players into the professional ranks. That's the only time you ever see something like that. Not some, you know, rant. I'm sorry, random person who's literally has maybe a couple youth coaching experience, but n- nothing, nothing of note, nothing that says. You know, oh, this person definitely deserves to be part of this. I mean, you didn't hear about any players that had played under him that, you know, made the national team and stuff like that. Nothing. And so it was it all it all stunk of of like, you know, an owner hiring his friend. Um, And then we all got kind of a little bit. I mean, we got a little bit blind, you know, Okay, we said, okay, maybe, you know, maybe all of it was a little bit uh, overblown. Maybe, you know, maybe he's he's with professionals now, so he can't do that type of stuff. So maybe he's holding back a little bit. And, maybe and he's, he's very personable more. in media. He's oh, very yeah. pleasant to 100%. deal with. So, I, you know, you know, I, that's the, the public facing versus the private facing, right? It's very hard to yeah, tell. And, and we had, you know, we had media and again, you know, I, I said this on the post game show, not blaming anybody in spirit media for, you know, pushing any type of narrative or for doing they're doing their job. They're, they're out there to produce content, to get fans engaged. Uh, but you look at the content with the, the trainings and everything. And it all seemed like they were all everybody was having a good time. I remember there was one since I think it was Anna Helferty's birthday. And they were like she had to tell a joke. Otherwise, people had to run laughs. And like, you know, it all seemed very joyful and very fun. Um, but it's, it almost feels like, you know, as fans, you've been lied to for the past two years. You've been, you've been lied to that, that, that things were good and things were not good. Um, and then it even brings up, you know, all the, all the big moves, you know, even the, the small ones, of course, are, are, are absolutely horrifying. If you look at the move to, to, to trade Rose Lavelle, the excuse was, oh, well, she's going to Europe. We need someone now. And, you know, to me, that was like, okay, that makes sense. You know, she, and then you look at the, you look at and, Mallory Pugh, and Rose, who's having a renaissance under, you know, suddenly out of that, you know, now all that comes into question. And Rose was only it's, in Europe for half of a season and then she came yep. back. So maybe, maybe we could have yeah. waited that out. <laughs> so I'm saying. Yeah. It's, you know, so that brings up, you know, it, it brings up a lot of things and it, it's, it, it all seems very obvious now. Um, and, you know, I, I feel as fans where we've been betrayed and now the ownership group has to figure out. Their next hire, they have to they have to nail the next hire. Mm-hmm. It has to be somebody who can come in and, and really be a, a, a force. Um, I, 
uh, I forget the Ward. I know his last name's Ward. I can't think Chris, Chris Ward. Um, really did. I thought, you know, he said the right thing. It's hard to trust. It's hard to trust the public facing. It's hard to trust. But he he really gave a, you know, an impassioned speech, you know, really, uh, you know, the team has hired sports psychologists, brought them in, you know, to really try to have them work through. He's, you know, talked about how resilient they've been in sort of working through this. Um, so but I mean, it's it's it's, you know, that, that's all again, all public facing. Um, so the team has a long way to go to rebuild that trust uh, with a lot of their heart, with a lot of their hardcore fans and. Um, I thought the uh, the Spirit Squadron put out a great thing with you know supporting the players, but um, we got a long way to go. I'll be curious to see if 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 a new ownership group comes in. I know that DC United were interested in buying the Spirit. Maybe this maybe this brings them into the fold, and and then they can then suddenly they have a part of it. So you can you can't say oh we're just going to ship them off to. I thought the same thing. Line. We got actually. Br- yeah, I thought the same thing. So that, I think it's like a distressed asset right now. If you're if, if you're looking at if you're looking at the Spirit's public reputation. And if Baldwin is forced to sell, similar to Delroy Hansen was with the uh, with the team in Salt Lake, that would I, I would do that if I were the if I were the if I were the ownership of DC United, I would absolutely consider buying buying out the the, the partners that were there. I I just want to sort of loop back is that it's just it's it, the upsetting part is that these are it's upsetting if anyone is taken advantage of and anyone is treated uh, in a way that's on the. As as reported, it's just unsatisfactory and, and beyond the pale. But these are like these are the the best women soccer players in the world. This is mm-hmm. this is like it, it, and it's almost expected and it's tolerated because they're women, and because it's mm-hmm. at the NWSL. And if you, you could you imagine this happening to Barcelona or Real Madrid or PSG, where they sign a coach in that way and then they. I think that there are, you know, there are there are stories about uh, Sir Alex Ferguson throwing shoes at people's head and stuff in the in the locker room, and it's always sort of reported in a way that's like, oh, that's just the way it is. Like that's that's the way you, that's the way we do things. But th- this is that's just not the way that you do things. And I yeah. think it's I just think it's very upsetting the double standard that's in place here. And I think there was Megan Klingenberg uh, wrote a, a very long Twitter Twitter post about sort of exactly that it's like we don't deserve this treatment by our coaches by the league by anyone by the media this this is not acceptable for anyone but it's not acceptable for a league that considers itself to be the best in the world at this so it's it's time to treat these players the way that the best men players in the, in the world get treated just from either just from this just from the standpoint of basic decency and respect it's not about money. It's not about. It's not about finances. It's, it's about baseline respect, and you have to back that up right now. If I if I am the U.S. if I'm some of the U.S. women's national team players, I am moving double time on a union. The NW this should this should this should supercharge the formation of a union because that gives you an avenue. And I think that the the large problem that the NWCL faces, you look at. You look at what um, and to really it would be the benefit. It would be the benefit of the NWSL to have the league to, to prevent these types of things from happening, to have a league that has a union where you can file. It's sometimes stuff leaks out. But I mean, I'm sure there are tons of times where the union files grievances against coaches or, or players or what's happening. And, and that gives you that avenue where where this, the league can resolve it and the league can step in. And it gives that, you know, that private avenue where, you know, I think a lot of these uh 
you know, number one, a lot of these players aren't, I mean, other than the top, top percent, they're not paid very well. They get housing, they get food, but they're not paid very well. And that, you know, that, that comes, I think with also, I mean, you, you look at how, you know, if minimum wage workers treated versus somebody who's making the league says salary, the league says 55,000 or 56,000 when you take into account housing stipend, which isn't nothing. That's the average they're saying, but that, that as far as like money to live, <laughs> the the, sal- it, the liquid finance part, I believe, is around twenty three thousand. Yeah, and 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 also do do a median, and let's see what mm-hmm. that is versus your average, mm-hmm. because I, I'd be curious what they're doing to calculate those numbers, and and you know certain players are probably making more. Uh, yeah, the median salary is what you do, and you know also what I think, what I think, what I think could happen, and maybe I think the NWSL doesn't want to do this for one reason is because I could see the NWSL doing exactly what the MLSPA did, which is they release their salaries. They release their salaries to the world. Everybody can look at the salaries that players are making. Um, so I'd be, I would be very curious to see if they form that union, if they take the same route and, you know, there, there's a lot of push now, you know, no more side hustles, no more, you know, we want to be out there getting, you know, full-time salaries, you know, we're professionals, we deserve it. And they do deserve it. Everybody deserves, you know, if you're going to start a league, men's, women's, whatever, you need to pay players a living salary. Or don't have a league, and <laughs> if you yeah. can't afford to do that, it's just like said like anything else. If your if your business uh, relies on immiserating humans to to be able to afford to exist, you don't have a business. You have something else. So, and, and we're seeing, you know, I, I think there's been some talk amongst NWSL fans after all this is like, you know, should we should we like should we even support this league anymore? Yes. And it's it's tough. It, it's certainly you see the league doing these things that are that are very. Not that are not great, that are very bad, uh, that you know seem like almost like a lack of almost a lack of of control of owners and making sure that you know proper standards are followed. Um, and I think one person said, you know, if, if the players stop supporting it, then I'm then I'm out. And I think the players, the, the saying like I'm done, no more NWSL is not the right call. Um, I think being an active part and you know encouraging and de- and almost demanding the league treat the players respectively. You know, demonstrations on the field, any t- anything like that, you know, to to support the players, but also say the league needs to step up, I think is 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 uh, is pretty important. Um, so I would also you know, we're not going to get this, but I really wish we would have the ability to know what the players think. Obviously, well, not while this investigation is going on and not while certainly mm-hmm. not, you know, not on the media availability after games. But I, you know, Tori Huster is is the pl- NWSLPA president, right? And she is in this situation and she's sort of like a dual, you know, dual visibility situation for her. I want to know what she thinks. I want to know the players who, you know, I, I'm sure that there, I bet you there are players that were okay with it because they had, had there had to have been some, right? Because although if it was mm-hmm. everyone, if every single person felt the way that some of the other people left, I think this would have come out a little sooner. So I think... There are, so what is the dynamic inside the locker room where there were maybe some players who got picked on less? There were some players that got picked on more. It, it had been said over games that like she'll, uh, that Richie will yell at Ashley and Ashley will tune him out. And then, but Richie says that's how Ashley gets motivated. Is that how Ashley gets motivated? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> maybe yeah. it's not. All of that, all of, all, all of those quotes all of those quotes, and and I think I think even Ashley joked about it a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, it's I think we are seeing. You know, this is part of a larger a larger story too. Both both men's and women's professional sports is mental health is is coming back 
is not coming back, but it's sort of becoming more of an more more of an important aspect of sports. Um, and and you know, it's before you would have people. You know, people talk. I talk about you know Landon Donovan taking a sabbatical. You know, talking a lot about his sort of how how he felt mentally and how that affected his performance. You know, being called by U.S. men's national team fans as weak as you know Landy cakes. You know, all all the all the derogatory terms towards him. Um, and now I think, you know, we're, you know, a- after, uh, oh my goodness, um, after Simone Biles and, and everything that's happened there, I think we're starting to have a, a bigger conversation about, uh, you know, sports and mental health and, and, and treating and having players, you know, not, you know, they are there to entertain us and we, and we support them, but they're not there to do it no matter what. Um, and I think that is, that is becoming an important part of this as well. Um, you know, some players might have been fine with it. You know, hey, that's a coach that I've dealt with that my whole life. Whatever, I, mm-hmm. I don't care. I don't care. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go on and be better than Richie Burke ever was. So who, I don't care. This is just what the job is. Uh, but there are also probably players that you know, it, it like, like I did with, uh, with, with Kai McCullough. It, it completely killed their love of the game and completely forced them out of the game. So and that's you know, why that's not good. You're, you don't I, want that. You're right. And I think that 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 just to loop back on what you said and double important it, the ability to make those complaints earlier through a, through a formal grievance process makes a paper trail it it gets everything on the record you get all you get mm-hmm. you get testimony on both sides you get it all and then they can decide you know good bad and different and we'll move on from there and then that like, keeps it from going so far maybe if he gets this early on maybe if he has an hr ding and i think that he was apparently given a warning the last week no more no more mess ups you're you've had the end of your rope so HR clearly was watching this and had heard complaints, but you would think maybe if there was something that's up to the league office and and like you did this to this player on this date, that violates these rules. You have been fined five hundred dollars. You cannot do this against a strike against you. Maybe that would have changed the course of this a little bit. It got it got way too far. If you know one player is leaving is is bad enough. If four players are leaving. You have something has broken on your internal process to to keep these players safe quite clearly, and it didn't. It, mm-hmm. it you know if Burke is guilty of all of these things, you don't feel as you don't feel bad about him being gone. But like this, even protects him, right? It protects everyone involved from it becoming uh, unmanageable and a situation where it cannot be repaired. It got there because he yeah. was evidently potentially enabled by HR inside the organization, who didn't feel empowered to do anything serious about it. And then it got to the point it did. So all in all, horrible situation. This will continue to be a, a topic that we discuss as the, as a replacement gets found. As this team continues to try to actually play through the situation and try to exist uh, in this season of a very, very tight NWSL. And, you know, this this week they had two days off. They were told that today and tomorrow, they're probably back maybe tomorrow. Uh, mm-hmm. To go home, go with their, go be with their friends and family, get away, talk to their if they've got personal help, which a lot of them do. I know Ashley Hatch does. I know a couple few of them do. Um, you know, get your heads as, as straight as you can for this, and try to and try to be ready to go uh, for this upcoming game this week. Um, but yeah, I, this will this is a this is going to be continue to be a story. NWSL has to investigate this. There has to be a a, a big finding of truth and, and a very big transparency, particularly for the spirit fans uh, who love these players and support these players and do not want to see them being mistreated by people who are still around people who aren't going anywhere. They, that, 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 yep. that's the problem anyway. Yep. Uh, so moving on uh, to, I guess more, 
Uh, less bad because it's a soccer game, not people's lives. Bad on the field. Uh, but still, bad on the field. Bad on the field. There we go. Um, but uh, DC United uh, lost 5-2 to two to Nashville, snapping a five-game uh, five unbeaten streak. Um, and uh, this was this was always going to be a tough match. Um, I, I think – so we've had, you know, 24 hours, I think maybe, you know, we, we were – it's a different feeling. I, I remember before just being, you know – this team would lose games like this and I'd just be in a bad mood. But I'm almost in like, uh, that was a bad game, but, you know, there's so much good surrounding it that it's just kind of like, it's like finding that raisin in, in your chocolate chip cookie. It's like, all right, move on. We're just going to digest it. And, you know, you kind of, you got to have a, like, as, as uh, I think as Julian Gressel said, you got to have the memory of a goldfish to <laughs> drop dead lasso and just move on. And um, I, I don't know if I'm, if I'm Lasada, how much tape I show of this game, how much I really dwell on this game, or it's just like, nope, let's just go and prepare. Um, it was an off night for a lot of players. Uh, one person in particular in goal, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about him. Um, John, any 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 new thoughts, any as 24 hours have settled in on this game? <laughs> we now at 24 hours. Uh, how, how, are, how are you feeling about what happened, what transpired so, last night? Similar to you, I think this is one to flush. I don't think this is... I don't think this is indicative of a failure of a system... I think you had you had a player or two missing that you would have liked to see in the field, and Nashville played well, and Nashville at home, and Nashville mm-hmm. haven't lost all season at home. Um, so that th- this could happen. These teams are were before this game very similarly situated in the standings. So it's 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 one of those things. Those these games happen. It just you know, and in, in, in another version of time, and you roll the dice again, you could just as easily see this score flip. In a different world, so it's not like these are. It's not like we're permanently outclassed by Nashville. It was just. It was a game where individual mistakes were made, and we'll get into that. And then also, uh, you know, a penalty conceded. Uh, some players, some players getting back into the getting back into the the run of things, uh, sort of making that more important necessarily than the outcome, and making sure that those players got in. It was. Ola Kamara scored. We can say that. Yeah, the man. The man just doesn't it, not score. And I think I think if DC had sort of been completely run out, run off the field, and I know the five the five two score line is very very it's 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 not accurate, I think to the way most of that game went. Um, I, I think it was three two through about eighty eighty five minutes, and then there was a bad giveaway, and at that point it was kind of like you would not forgive DC for kind of shoulders dropping and being like, all right, this is done, let's just pack it in. Um, I think the fact that you looked at certain individual mistakes for players that, you know, you're not, you, you, you weren't expecting to rely on. And I think what I got into, you know, we, we have, we have three main injuries. I think we can point out, we have Brendan Heinz, Ike, Russell Knauss and Bill Hamid. Those three players went down and, and pretty much once Bill went down there, uh, but there was always a discussion of, okay, is the next man up really going to be good? And for a while there, you know, they did the job. They did the job well enough. Uh, other players stepped up uh, sort of around them, um, you know, and, and they stepped up as well. I mean, Tony Alfaro has been perfectly suitable stand-in. Um, you know, Moses Nyman has st- stepped in for Russell Canal, shown flashes. I think this was a bit of a rougher game for him. Um, he did not really do a good job, I think, imposing himself. Um, and then we got John Kempen. Uh, who probably had the worst game of his professional career. Um, and so, you know, I think Black and Red United brought up sort of, I was reading, I'm pretty sure it was Jason Anderson writing their post game, uh, said, well, you know, maybe we see him out there against New England. He gets another chance. You know, this was not the John Kempen, you know, that we know. 
Um, I, I, you know, we saw what happened with Sites. Sites had, you know, a sort of a bad game against San Jose and then had, you know, another rough game against Columbus. And that's when he was benched. I, I almost think that this game was way worse than that, almost to the point where if he just does basic, you know, goalkeeping, he gets the ball in his hands and he saves it. He has the ball in his hands, at least on two of those goals. And if he's able to to actually control that and save it, uh, then we're talking about a completely different a completely different game, in my opinion. Um, then I think this is I think this game was bad enough where you can say, you know what, it's maybe time to look elsewhere. Do you, do you, do you if you're if you're Lasada, do you give uh, Kempen another shot? I think Jason Anderson or whoever whoever with that makes a very good point, and here's why: Bill is still going to be out for probably five more games or five more weeks. There's a reason you put John Kempen ahead of Chris Seitz on your depth chart and kept him there for the entire season after uh, Bill Hamid came back. He's He's been, unless they've had to make up numbers and they wanted to put three goalies in the bench for whatever reason, or two goalies in the bench, uh, he's been the guy. I think you, I think you, I, I now because he said that, I think you do give him another game because if you pull him after one game, you've burned him a little bit. And if you have to go back to him, because Chris Seitz is the third goalkeeper that you've, you've judged that he's third in talent, and then you you pulled Kempen out. You've got to have you've had got to have sights for like three more games. Uh, and if you think that Kempen just had a bad game, but overall on the on the on the day had a bad game, but overall is the better keeper, then yeah, you do probably have to roll with Kempen again. Much to the chagrin of uh, fans and maybe even me, the me of last night uh, of Sunday night, also would have said that. But I think that's a good. I think that's honestly a good point. I think that he has really made it clear by selection, as much as you know, determining who the second and third keeper on a team is important, which is not really that important in the scheme, in the broader scheme of things. He has made it, he seems to have made a, a, a declaration about where he sit, where he sees them all sit in. So that's, I think there's some value to that, honestly. Yeah. And, and, and you know, I think we, we have seen Lasada. He's obviously a, a tough manager, but he also appears to be a very fair one. He gives players, he didn't, you know, throw Moses Nyman to the, to the bench after his red card, he, he said, "Get out there. Let's let's see what you got, and and you know, prove you know, show me what you got." So, um, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see. I think I think a lot of it's actually probably it's going to be on Zach Thornton. I think still the goalkeeper coach. Yep. I know they, they've had some people leave. Uh, it's going to be on Zach Thornton to get him back. Uh, that's that, that's where I think he's going to come in. You know, can he, you know, get, um, can he get Kempen back up? Hey, pick yourself up. You had a bad game. Show show him what you can do again. Um, so we'll see. Uh, I, I think it's going to be up to Lasada to kind of read that. Um, how are you going to read the player? If he is, if he, if he, I think the next, whatever the next moments in training might be the indicator of that. If he looks still strong in training, doing the same things, then yeah, I think he gets another shot. If he looks, you know, like that, that whole game just ruined him. You got to put, you got to bench him and you got to, you got to put in Chris Seitz. Um, and because it's going to get, it's get much, it gets much tougher. <laughs> it gets way, way tougher to go up against New England, uh, especially on turf. Um, I, I want to talk about some, something that was brought up. Um, I want to talk about, you know, Lasada is not without fault. A lot of people were bringing up, so, so Andy Nahar did not play in this game. And a lot of people were saying he could have made a difference. Rested for, and rested the, for Wednesday was the official reason. Rested for Wednesday. So you're going to go play him on field turf. Mm-hmm. With his knees mm-hmm. and his and his legs and, and and all the injuries he's had, that's your that's your answer. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know if I would have switched that and played him on a, a regular grass. You had a full week of rest, regular grass, rest him for New England. Maybe you get a better performance. Maybe you get something a little bit different um, because that was certainly something that was missing from this team. Is 
when Andy Nahar is not out there, this team gets almost an extra layer. He's almost an extra player, an extra attacking player coming out of the back that teams have to account for. And it opens it up for other players. Um, so I, I don't know if that would have been the, the message to take. And then, yeah, then rest him for the turf and then he's ready to go for Atlanta. I don't know. Just just throwing that out there. I, I'm, I'm sure maybe there might have been some other injuries they're concerned. And maybe it's just like, you know what? We don't want to press this. Let's just rest him. Give him a rest and we'll, and we'll get him. We'll get him in there against New England. So we'll, we'll see. Yeah. I'm very curious to see what happens. There. I mean, I thought that this lineup was extremely attacking when, when it was put mm-hmm. out there. I thought I was I was somewhat impressed with the choices made. Um, but, you know, I think there are a couple there are quite a few players that had off nights. Or at least, mm-hmm. or at least nights where they would, you know, you would have expect better. I think Kevin Paredes didn't really influence the game very much, uh, and he yeah. usually does. He, was, he has a high bar, right, at this point. Yeah. So yeah, he was bottled up. He was. Uh, he was. Junior Moreno had an uncharacteristically un- ineffective night uh, as well. Paul Ariola had. I think he's not looked very great coming back from the Gold Cup. He had an assist that was a ten out of ten top drawer, and that and that, that should be. I think I said on Twitter. I don't think they do assists of the week, but that would be the one. I don't believe you could get one better than that. Uh, but he's not looked super sharp uh, so far, and I'm hoping he's just sort of rounding back into uh, form with the players around him. But Ola Kamara scored. Yeah, and, and <laughs> yeah, Ola Kamara scored. And again, you know, this is this is what this is what I get into with this team. I'm like, I'm not so mad about this result because they were in it till the end. They didn't play well. Let's be clear. They, this is not a 10 out of 10 performance. This was this was by far not a perfect performance. But they kept themselves, you know, in the game yep. for majority of it and then just kind of lost it on, on, a, on a bad individual play from Kempen. And that was that was the game. I'm not even mad about the penalty. Who cares? Uh, Brilliant was running back and forth, having to cover multiple things. I think he he is not the same player he was. If, if he has to do that, it's going to be a long night. Um, I mean, he scored. He already at that point had scored a goal and saved a goal from going in. Yeah. So if you're talking about a guy at the 87th minute having to run back after chasing the game makes a ill-advised foul. All right, well, you know that happens, man. <laughs> that was yeah. that was not where the game slipped away. Like you said, at three two, this the team had made it. DC at halftime had made it a game again, and I didn't think that was going to happen by the forty first minute. So, um, yeah. oh well. I'm more, I'm more, I'm more encouraged by the way they got that goal before half. Yeah, to make it. So suddenly you're going to halftime, you get to reset and you get to make it a game. Then I am about how they lost it towards the end, um, and I'm still not happy about that. But that at least that that's. In, that's not system. That's individual mistake. Mm-hmm. That's they had done enough defensively to hold Mule, and Mule puts a pretty weak shot in, and it just kind of uh, Kevin just doesn't get to it. So I think you know that's that's good. I think you raised a good point about um, Moreno being off. I think the both center midfielders were not checking back enough. There were there was lots of space on the wings. Um, I thought Gressel's service was great. I'm a little concerned about Gressel because he looked like he was. Uh, he was struggling there towards the end. He was soldiering on, but um, I kind of wondered at that point. I think DC maybe still had a sub they could have burned. Maybe bring somebody in to just give him a break. Um, I, I'm not really sure, but he looked like he got kicked up pretty bad in this game. So I'll be curious to see if he may if he maybe gets rested. Uh, and that's a hard one to rest because uh, one thing he is still very very excellent on. He was excellent on today, set pieces mm-hmm. and uh, service. Yep. He is just he is he has got that locked in. Uh, it's been it, it's been it's been excellent to watch. Sort of, um, and really I think it should both Gressel and and Ola Kamara were. Absolutely in the doghouse amongst DC fans yeah. for a long time. And Losada showed patience with them. He showed, nope, I'm gonna we're gonna do this. And 
those that patience is being rewarded in in, in droves. I, I want to bring something up about Olakamara because I, this has been sort of talked about. He is he is he is in the gold he is in the golden boot hunt. Mm-hmm. I think there's no way if fans buts about it. He is the first player. This was a stat that uh, Stephen Golf dropped that I love. First player since Luciano Mili in 2008 to score in six consecutive games. Six consecutive games. We have not had a striker since 2008. All the strikers: Wayne Rooney, Fabian Spindola, Eddie Johnson. None of them have were able to do that. Eddie Johnson, he, yeah. <laughs> so you look at that, you look at that stat, but there's still there's still our fans that talk. To, oh, you know, he would just miss so many chances at the beginning. I'm like, at this point, what does he what does he need to do? Does he need to win the Golden Boot? I mean, he is scoring at an incredible. Rate. We now have a bona fide striker who's putting the ball in the back of the net. He's doing what his job is, what this team has needed for years, mm-hmm. for years. He's doing it. He's doing what he is, what he was advertised, and what he was said to bring in. I don't know what more he can do, um, and I, I think I, I, I said on Twitter it's a tribute to the to the alcoholic uncle who says this time I'm clean, but people still have the memories of everything bad, and I, I think I think that's kind of that's kind of I think people wanted people wanted a different striker up there, mm-hmm. and now they're they're seeing the result, and that's hard to that's hard to accept, I think for some fans. Yeah, so, he's very efficient. Um, I think it's I think it's about you're right. I mean the. the Right now, its efficiency is uh, like MLS historic almost as far as his minutes per goal. I think it's in the 60, 62 or 63 minutes. Um, yeah, I think it's just a matter of high-profile misses that that where the fans just made a decision, right? On a player, you just make collectively make a decision. I think we made a decision um, earlier on this season and in and, and seasons past, like, there, there is a rope, and obviously he did not lose confidence in himself. Uh, apparently, you know, uh, Aaron does get on him, right? Like he told him, uh, I was listening to the post game press conference from the previous game, and Goff asked a question of Ola about. So Aaron says you weren't good enough at half. Um, do you agree with that? And uh, what? <laughs> and what? And and you know, how did you feel at scoring the goal in the second half? And he was basically like, I mean. Yeah, I mean, I don't agree. I mean, yes, I could do better, right? Like, I uh, I could do better, blah, 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 blah. He, he gave a very uh, a good answer, but it was... Hernan is not, like, letting him skate. I think that he is having an additional striker brought in when when that additional striker was actually healthy enough to back him up and uh, challenge him for minutes with Nigel Bertha. I think helped Ola sort of uh, get re, re-fired, I think, a little bit. Like, that, that streak sort of started after Nigel was there, and he was coming off the bench occasionally. And that's honestly, if you look at the minutes per game, that's why it's skewed that way. Because he was oftentimes coming in at the 30th minute. He wasn't completing 90 minutes. His numbers would look a little different from that perspective. But overall, there are there are other problems. We DC United fans, look at the rest of your team and look upon look upon it and see where there are weaknesses that need to be strengthened. Forward, right now, is not anywhere near your problem at all. If you want to talk about backup striker, you want to say maybe we'll see what Nigel Bertha is when he's healthy, and maybe Ramon Avila is uh, somebody that can do something. He, he played uh, 13, 17 minutes uh, in, in Nashville, and will probably play again in New England. Uh, there are other places where you should be spending your time uh, gnashing your teeth. I think now for the rest of the season. Right, right now, right now, you, you go on. Who, who, who can help? Who, who's a sure thing right now? Right now, going in. I mean, this could all completely careen off. You know, he could. You start to struggle, yep. and suddenly we're we're having a different conversation. Absolutely, right now though, right now, twenty twenty two, Ola Kamara leading the line, no issues with that, nope. no issues with that one hundred percent. If the team then is able to then say, okay, we can we can pay him, he'll probably want some more money. 
I think he's in a contract year, if I'm not wrong. So it's going to be on the team, I think, to resign his. I have to go back and look. I'm not sure what his con. I feel like this was sort of an option year they sort of took on him, or or he's entering that option year. I, I have no problems with this team going and, and resigning him and bringing him back after, even after, uh, from what I'm seeing so far. We we see now he's able to get comfortable. He's able to stay healthy. Players are able to find that service to him, and he's doing his job and putting the ball in the back of the net. And if that allows the team then to not have to spend that designated player money on a, on a striker and can look elsewhere in the field, maybe another midfielder, maybe someone else that can sort of connect with him and supply him the ball, maybe someone, maybe a player that fits our non-system a little bit better in that midfield position. 100% okay. Um, okay with what? The DP with, Drew Skundrich. The, the DP version of Drew Skundrich. <laughs> And let's talk about Drew. Drew, I thought I, I do want to mention Drew. I thought came in and ha- and really settled down that middle of the field. I think that's why that game stayed three two for so long because he was able to come in and sort of be that sort of energetic destroyer. He really played sort of a different role because yep. he's played further up the field. This time he was brought in more centrally. And I thought he actually did a really good job, sort of basically settling that game down so DC could try to find opportunities to score. It just didn't happen. Um, so, um, anything else we want to add to this game? Uh, I like anything else we want to. Yeah, I'm happy that Edison Flores got some minutes. He did not. He didn't yep. do anything. That's fine. Uh, Ramon Abela did not do much. That's fine. Uh, Flores. It's, it's right now. It's for Flores. It's about getting back in a sync. This week, we found out that he's healthy enough to play, but he's not synced up, and that's that's what these that's what these minutes for because you need him. You wrote a great article about how much you need him, and now he has some games here. I think he's going to get you know more and more and more time. I think he'll probably get another 20, 30 minutes in New England. I think when you get back home, he'll play a little bit more. Maybe um, you got to figure out how he's going to be how he's going to be reintegrated into this attack. Jordy Rayner probably is the is the one who makes way, obviously. Yeah, he did not, and I don't think he had a good game. I think he held on to the ball a little bit too much, and I think actually it was also Nashville doing a better job of taking Ola Kamara out of the game. Um, they were double teaming him very heavily and basically told Jordy, try to figure out, see if you can score. See what you can do, um, and, it's, and and they they gambled a little bit on that, and they were right because um, I thought Gertie Rand did not have a strong performance. Um, you know, I, I I think there are a lot of fans out there. Um, the performance from Edison Flores was rough. Mm-hmm. Again, he's coming off injury; he's not in sync. Um, I think there are a lot of fans out there that have if, if they've run out of patience with Lola Kamara, they have certainly run out of patience with with Edison it's Flores. The curse of curse of high salary, man. They come for you. Yeah, it, and so I I will just contend. He has very literally, I mean, 2020, let's just take that, toss it in the, toss in the wastebasket. Uh, he was injured. I think he broke his jaw or something like that, if I remember correctly, something like that. Something, something in his yeah. face. Something in his face. Take that season, toss it in the trash. 2021, he started to, it, it was starting. It, you could see it. I could see little flashes that said, okay, this guy's worth it. I think there was a game against Chicago um, when he had a really nice assist on Adrian Present. I saw it, and then he got injured again. And then it's sort of been a long road back. So his, 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 I, I, I think the talent is there. I do believe the talent is there. This guy's not worth five million just for nothing. Um, his skills in League MX were were very well known. I, I just, I think that this, that he needs to stay healthy. Health is his most important asset right now. If he stays healthy, he builds that rhythm. I think we'll see something that will that will lead us to say, and he might be the the final piece that takes that team, this team, to the next level. Uh, we've seen a lot of players come in, and and he's sort of that final piece that has not really found it yet. Uh, well, we, every player here has done something. We tw- done something. We tweeted the last three months of this are that time, right? I think if he stays healthy, yep. once he gets fully integrated in this team, he's going to have a run. If he stays healthy, an uninterrupted run of two months of important games when when they matter, 
with a team around him that is creating chances all over the place, or has been at least anyway, uh, a forward that buries opportunities now, uh, which he may not have had last year when, when Ola was not firing at his current level of, of, of confidence. This is this is when you show how you fit in and what kind of what kind of talent you bring. I think other people were saying, you know, he has a contract, a guaranteed contract for next year, so they won't get rid of him. That's not true. That won't matter mm-hmm. at all. I think that they they are gonna. I think they are gonna decide what what this player can be when he's healthy because a lot of this team won't change next year. They don't have the money for a full retool. Also, because the team has done fine for the most. I mean, it's done well. So next year is not going to be five new starters. That's that's just not going to happen. So you're you're going to want to see for sure if you have a saleable asset that doesn't fit. That's who you that's who you move. You you try to yeah. so the, he he needs to perform well once he gets healthy and and I hope that he does because it's cheaper to have a player that you've already paid that transfer fee on do well enough to stay and, and contribute than it will be to go out and find somebody that's going to do it for you. That's just the, yeah. that's just the math. That's how it works. Yeah, um, I'm pretty sure. I thought he had a five. Was it maybe a three year contract with the two year option? That might have been it. Either, been either it. way, so if it doesn't fit, they it, it benefits them to sell him out of, out of contract. Plus that that doesn't that doesn't make him unmovable. It doesn't. It, it really has nothing to do with anything. So that's I wouldn't worry about that if you're if you're sort of wondering. Yeah, you move it, you're not you're not you're not worried. You're, you're not worried about it. You're not worried about it right now. Um, you're not worried about it right now. Right now, it's just about getting him into this team because you need to see what he's got. The the you need to see everything. He needs to get a chance to to really show what he's, uh, what he's got. Sorry, I'm just trying to pull up. I, I want to see what exactly his contract is. I, I seem to remember. Uh, yeah. So uh, Pablo Mao's reporting his contract runs five seasons. I'm guessing that I'm guessing it's three years and a two year option. That would make sense. Five year guaranteed. Years five year guaranteed for that player is bananas crazy for a player in the middle yeah. of his career making one point five. That would be. I hope that's not the case because I think that that's sort of malpractice from a roster construction perspective. Well, I think so. It's a five year deal. I, most of the time, the these the, there's not usually very rarely do you see the reported options. I'm guessing three years with a reported two year option is probably what we're seeing right now. All MLS contracts have options. This is not a five year with two year option. No, no, no. Three years, two year option. So I think really he's got. I I think the team, regardless of how he plays, um, unless he is so just god awful, gets injured again, which could happen. Um, and then you can't move I think as long as he as long as he gives you at least a little bit of something in the run up to these games, as long as he contributes a couple a few assists, gets in there, I think you see him back next year, regardless. Uh, because I think the team is going to give him all the opportunities he has. You get another year, maybe you can build something else around him. And I think that, that that's a lot of money just to say goodbye to without at least giving it the full run. Um, I don't know. Well, you could, could sell be, him. I, I could be wrong. You could sell him if you for instance, if he did okay but it wasn't a fit. And you had another guaranteed year, you could sell him and make money. Whereas if you play him out next year and he has an option you don't pick up, then he goes and walks for free, and you don't get any of it back. You've lost the the, the transfer fee is not none of it's recoupable. Yeah, I don't know how much I, you're I gonna get. I don't know how much you're gonna get right now. For yeah, this player, and that's but. I think that's gonna be the thing is you know if you end up you take a five million dollar offer that you made for him, it was five million, right? Four and five half, million dollars, yeah. and then you're only able to get two million back. Well. Better than zero at that point. <laughs> yeah, zero, man. <laughs> I mean, better than zero. But at that point, I'm just like, you know, might as well just yes. e- see if he can. And then, and then if he performs well, you get that to your option. You get to hold on to him, and then you get to look maybe to increase your asset. So it's like a GameStop. Um, I, it's like a GameStop situation. Yeah, like you paid 104. GameStop will give you 450. <laughs> 
It's better than zero, but very marginally better than zero. Well, we'll see. He's got another opportunity as the team yep. uh, goes up against uh, New England Revolution on Wednesday. Short turnaround, probably good. I'll be curious to see when he comes onto the field. Don't think he starts just yet, but I think we'll see him. We'll certainly see him out there. He may he may get the start. This is going to be a, a turnaround. I, I think maybe that would be hilarious. Maybe your eye are, on turf. That? It would be hilarious if both he and Nahar get the well, start. Well, you know his his best game. Mind you, his best game that he ever played for DC was against New England on the road. Best game he played for this in team. A loss, and, and, in a loss. In a loss. But he had, I think, at least a, a, a couple assists. Yep. Two assists. Looked, looked very, very good. Um, and sort of providing. And, he, and he's got a goal scorer out there in, in Ola Kamara now that's firing on all cylinders. That was not the case in that game. So, I don't know. But I, I think I think he comes off the bench. I think you're maybe looking at that Atlanta game. Maybe maybe you give him, maybe you give him that start um, at, at home in front of the home fans. Uh, I could see something like that. We'll have to see. Uh, should be should be uh, should be an interesting week coming up for DC. A lot of, I think that Atlanta game is is a little bit of a trap game. I'm not gonna lie, um, because of, of they've started to look like they're starting to put it together. Um, you got Joseph Martinez getting a goal when he gets goals, he scores in buckets, and he does like to score against DC. Um, the Rebs, we shall see what happens. The Rebs are six zero and one in their last seven games, so that's that's a bad that's a bad sign off off the jump. But Gustavo Bo is the only person scoring more goals than Olakamar right now with his twelfth goal of the season. Uh, very similar per 90, almost similar per 90 scores. Um, I mean, their last game was against, their last, you know, Revolution beat Toronto 2-1 to on the weekend. and came, I think it came back. I think they were down one and scored two unanswered. Um, it's, we, you know, Toronto being sort of a weird barometer for decent added to, to benchmark themselves against after we, we beat them so bad they fired their coach. But the, the Revs are always a tough, they're always a tough matchup. They, or they've been a tough matchup since, uh, since since Bruce Arena came back and they've and they've turned into a different team basically since then, and they've also brought in a lot of new players, so they're basically are a new team. Uh, on short rest, on turf, on the road, with you know, uh, not I wouldn't say there's not there's not really big injury concerns at this point other than the, you know, the long term guys. Uh, I don't, you know, what would you what do you, what are you what are you hoping to get? At? What are you, all right? Here's here's the dual dual prong question. Give me a best case scenario and what you think is going to happen for, for this game on Wednesday. Best case scenario is that number one. By the way, I should say their best New England's best player is uh, picked up a hamstring injury. Uh, Gill, uh, Carl's Gill. Uh, that is a huge loss for them. Um, so I think they are not going to have a lot. They're going to be missing some of the offense. They're still a very good team. Don't get me wrong, but that's that that's that's something DC doesn't have to account for. Um, best. I mean, best case scenario is always a win. Right. Um, I think you you're looking at if the team can return to that sort of stout defensive work that we saw them do against this same revolution team with Carl's Gill earlier in the season, they managed to hold it and it was just kind of a fluky own goal that sort of led. They have a much, much stronger team now. Um, again, differences in, in season and, and where, where people are. Um, I think if if. If we see a team go out there, I'll be curious to see what the lineup's going to look like. How 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 is Lasada going to manage these minutes? I mean, I could see a scenario. It would not be out of the realm of possibility for this team to sneak out like a two one victory, uh, maybe on like a last minute goal. Maybe they they kind of do the same type of thing they did against they did against Montreal, uh, where they kind of just you know sort of rally and pull together. Um, and you know, really, I think that would be a huge a huge huge result if they can get it. Uh, more likely. Yeah, more likely it's hard. I mean, the the more likely result is maybe either a draw or a, or a a 
two. I don't think we'll see something crazy with the loss, um, but I think we'll see maybe like a two or or a two nothing loss or a two one loss or a three one loss or something like that. Um, I, I mean, I, I don't know. It's really it's really hard to judge this team because they they've been playing so well. And really the the Columbus game for me sticks out as a game where just like they just really just were they really put them to the fire and I could see something like that happening. Yep. You know, yes, the the revolution are a good team and they're riding high right now, but every team's gotta come down and, and DC's not a not gonna be an easy game for them. Um so I think it's and DC's gonna want to and we've seen this team bounce back. We've seen this team do very well bouncing back from bad results. We see them pick up a bad result. They come back the next game. And I think I'm pretty sure the run came off a bad result where they, they should have done better. I think they picked up a loss and it, it wasn't good. And then they managed to sort of bounce back and they went on this, on this run that they went this five game win. So now you got a chance to do that again. Um, so we'll see. I, I don't know. I, I, I say, I don't know what's going to happen. This game, this game is totally up in the air. I could see it going so many different ways. Um, and, and that's the beauty of this team right now. <laughs> That's the beauty of this team right now is that they are they are exciting, they're fun, they're interesting. Uh, you never know what you're going to get. It, I, I'm intrigued to watch them now, um, and I keep talking about that because it really is it really is incredible. Give me a thought. Maybe, am, am, am I am I being too glowing right no, now? After a loss? honestly, that's what I, I was going to say. Best case scenario is a two one win. I think that they're they're unlikely to keep them off the off the books entirely. I think they're going to probably score. They're too prolific, even with uh, Carlos Hill being out. I think that they have many uh, Adam Buxa who just got called up to the Poland national mm-hmm. team, uh, which is very cool for him. Uh, I think they're going through a bit of a retool after Euros. Um, I, I think they're still very, very dangerous, and I think our defense, like you said, it's hard to it's hard to not carry in some of the bias from the, the Nashville game about the defense because there were a lot of weird individual mistakes that led to led to problems. Also, the goalkeeping is still going to be a problem. Maybe. <laughs> uh, so I think two win is the best case. I think three one loss is though is the likely situation. I think that, you know, sort of a situation where you get behind, it's very, very similar to Nashville and they score either you come out ahead and, and they, they get two goals back and you're chasing the game. And, and one just happens because you're chasing the game. Um, I don't know. I'm just getting, I'm getting a feeling that this is going to be, this is going to be tough for them. And I think I mentioned it in the post game show. What do you remember what I thought, what I, my handicapping of DC United to win was, do you remember what I said? I don't remember. I, I I know that I had a, a, it was a, definitely above three hundred, and I just checked right yeah. now. It's plus four thirty for DC United to win. Whew. So take a bet on that. Minus, take, a, take a flyer. Minus one seventy for New England to win, which it looks like is the what's the what's the draw? Do you yeah the draw? draw is that would be a smart bet, draw is probably. two plus two seventy. This is the this is the second most favored game of the weekend. The other one is Kansas City to beat Portland. At minus one ninety, and you have to. Look, I'm curious who the uh, who did New England play because that can also influence last things. week. That can also yeah Toronto or who who do they who do they play on this Sunday? Oh. They got Cincinnati. <laughs> Never mind. Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> at home too. Uh, they're they're they, this is definitely the tougher game of the two. They are. I was hoping they were going to play like <laughs> Philly or Nashville or somebody to like make it make it a little bit better. Um, make maybe say hey maybe we need we can. Start a weaker side and, and just kind of see that one out. They are but polishing no, their uh, muskets right now in, in anticipation of this next seven days. They're like, this is what I'm talking about. So it could go either way. And, and also, like I, I think you said, that it, I don't think Atlanta is a soft landing for them. Should this game mm-hmm. go poorly? Uh, and it could. I think we just talked about all the ways in which it could. Should should these sort of you're coming 
off the back of two lopsided losses potentially, and you're going into Atlanta at home. Atlanta right now is not the Atlanta of earlier this season where they looked like the Keystone Cops and everything was falling falling apart. So uh, I don't despair either way. Even if you do go through a bad week here, a bad nine-day period where you pick up no points, uh, not the panic button. It just sort of sometimes this happens. Uh, we're still, you know, we are very, very... Uh, we're bullish on Lasada Ball. We're bullish on when these players are healthy and, and when they have a uh, just a, a better matchup. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. We got to we got to play this game first before we talk about Atlanta on Saturday. But uh, it could go. It, it's certainly a coin flip. I don't. You or I are. You and I are just completely sort of at a loss for how this game is going to go. I think. Yeah, um, I, I think both games. I, I think you look at you look at this. Three points is acceptable of these next two games. Four points is very very good, and and anything above that is is excellent. Um, which I, guess I think four I think four points is excellent. I think if they're able yeah. to get a win and a draw out of these next two games, I I got no complaints. No matter what, no matter how yeah. they occur. Yep. And then you got a uh, you got a Philly team uh, coming up the next week. A tough game, um, but a team that DC United has sort of figured out a little bit. Um, yep. I think they've sort of they sort of they, I think they I think that that's a game. If I'm Lasada, I'm circling. Um, I'm circling with big red letters. I want to. I want to. I want to knock them off because they're they're actually they're sinking a little bit. The East is the East has just gone crazy. I mean, New England's at the top, but everywhere else has just been it's been just back and forth. Who's second? Who's your know, team's playing well? Team's not playing well. Columbus are sinking. You know all, all those other things. So um, yeah, should be should be. It's going to be fun regardless. Regardless of what happens, it's going to be fun to watch. And and also are you, and for you, you can you can join us as for a post game on Wednesday night to talk about how this game goes. However, it goes. And make yep. sure you can call <laughs> yeah. in and we can talk about it. Yep, and, and we're probably going to keep rolling with this. People seem to like it. Yep. All right, y'all. Thank you so, so much for listening again. We'll be there on Wednesday doing post game. Um, you guys are incredible. You guys are why we do this show. Uh, thank you all. Thank you to everybody for the warm response on our um, on our Washington Spirit uh, co-stream. We really wish the Spirit were doing more co- more Twitch games, uh, yep. but definitely keep an eye on that. As long as as long as they're on still on, the NWSL is still on Twitch and we got games, I think we're going to make a habit of trying to of trying to do that. Um, again, I guess, uh, yeah, uh, twitter.com, patreon.com, patreons are getting this, uh, this show right as soon as I'm done. So I'm gonna wrap up and edit the show and put it out for you guys. Monday night for you guys, uh, probably maybe Tuesday morning, <laughs> Twitch, make sure, make sure Twitch, uh, uh, if you're following us on Twitch, this is the only place we're going to stream tonight. Obviously the weird situation where we're just doing old school audio, but generally we're going to be doing that. We're going to be doing that thing for you, uh, live on Twitch. So follow us there. And if you want to subscribe, it's very easy to do so, and sometimes if you have Amazon Prime, you could subscribe to us for free. So uh, do that if you would like. We'd love you to. Yep. Yep. Great. And thank you all so much for listening, and we'll catch you guys on Wednesday night. Vamos. Vamos.